Welcome to the Bare Naked ABCs, where we discuss every single Bare Naked Lady song from 7 to Y. And by the way, don't forget that we have a Patreon. No one has signed up for it yet, but it's there. And, and we have all kinds of content saved up for it. It's only five bucks a month to be able to get one or two more episodes per month. You know, it's actually really cool because you get to hear Stefan and Jeff kind of giving their backlog ideas on what each of the songs are. Sounds like you're trying to sell, sell, sell on oh, Patreon. You got me, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I am trying to sell, sell, sell on this on this wonderful discussion about the song, Sell, Sell, Sell. And I have joining us tonight, Kat Cornetta. Thank you for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me again. It's been a while. It has been a while, but it's always wonderful to have you on. Well, thank you for having me. And this is one of the few times that I am actually outnumbered. Like we we have more ladies <laughs> than men tonight. Great. <laughs> so yeah, we don't have Aaron or Stefan or Jeff or Heidi. <laughs> <laughs> but I do but we have a we have a can-do spirit. So there we go. That's right. Um, thank you so much for joining me and, and for picking up where other people couldn't come in. I appreciate it. Anytime. Especially Kat, you like you last minute, like call, I called you yesterday. I'm like, by the way, can you jump in? Yes, exactly. It was last night, but thankfully I, I had some time tonight and you know, school hasn't started yet for my kids. So, so <laughs> in that window of time, will you can. So this week's song, Sell, 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 if people have not heard it before, here is a quick snippet. And this week's song is off from the album Maroon. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard that album. Um, very little known. <laughs> oh, wow. That's fancy. Betsy is holding up the vinyl of the, I mean, I guess it's the 20th anniversary vinyl. I've heard it mentioned before, yes. <laughs> now, is that the 20th anniversary vinyl that has? Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm not sure. There was one that had like, extra bells and whistles but this one i got about a year ago so yeah oh well there we go um so on maroon the only maybe they changed it for yours betsy i don't think they probably did but at least in the original case all songs that were credit that weren't hearn or cregan were given to page and robertson together like like lynn and mccartney so this song is is credited as both Page and Robertson. However, I don't think this is. I, I mean, it probably had his parts that he he brought to the song. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like Steve brought this one to the band to start with. 
because I mean, Stephen has played it 12 times in his 91 live from home concerts. And on top of it, and most recently he did it back in May of this year, 2022, BNL has played it 37 times. They haven't played it since Steve left. <laughs> um, 23 of those shows, by the way, were in 2000, which was because it was a staple of their Maroon tour. Yeah. I, I looked at the set list FM today in preparation for this, and I realized out of the 22 Bare Naked Ladies concerts I've seen, I've only seen this song once, which is shocking to me <laughs> i was like wait a second it's like all my college That's years which were one. around maroon i i went to so many shows and I, I only saw this once in buffalo in december 2020 wow hmm. i remember seeing this in portland when when they came to portland and, and for the show and this was one of those songs that when Steven belted it out, I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's definitely, but it's definitely a Steve song. It is not a, like, yeah, it's there. He harmonizes. Mm -hmm. There's some great harmonies, but this is not, this is an Ed take That's a back seat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, that means that there's like, I think, three songs in a row at this point that are kind of Steve-led songs on this album at this point. Because before this is Baby Seat, leading into this one. And then, of course, like, I can't hear the end of this song without immediately think hearing the beginning of the next song, mm -hmm. which is the um, humor of the situation. So we got three Steve ballads back to back to back. Right. And conventioneers too before Sell 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 was oh. also very Steve. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, we got oh was convention that's right, it was conventioneers just before. That's what song. I have in the order of on the back of my vinyl anyway. No, you're right. You're right. I've forgotten. So that and that's is it baby seat just before conventioneers? Is that I have like so side two is conventioneers, sell sell sell, humor of the situation, baby seat. Oh, baby seats after human. Yeah. I, but yeah, there's like a solid Steve block right there. <laughs> Let's put Steve all on the back end of this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, in researching today for today, I found a really interesting article that had been written in 2020 in um on the Pop Matters website. And it it mentioned, you know, when you think about this album, you think of when you think about the singles of this album, you think of Ed, but the album is all Steve. Like, yeah, you have Falling for the First Time, Ed, Pinch Me, Ed, rest of it's mm -hmm. Steve. That's mm -hmm. true. It really is. <laughs> Maybe that's why I like this album so much. Yeah. I think that's why <laughs> I keep going, going back Steve to voice. it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about the music? I can't break it down. Maybe Heidi yeah. or, or Aaron will send me a breakdown later on and either that or I'm going to make them do it at the end of the year uh, during the review because <laughs> they both missed this week. <laughs> um, but we do have the breakdown of the instruments. Since you have it right there in front of, in front of you, Betsy, do you want to give us a breakdown of the instruments? Oh my God, don't. Of the instruments? 
And it should be listed right see. underneath the lyrics. Hmm. Or did they not include that? Not on, on, the... not on my vinyl. Let oh, me check one so more that's, place. Let me check that's the difference place, with the in, I, inset of the album of the record. Well, not I record. Think, yeah, because no, they do individually for every single song with <sighs> this album for the CD. Oh, yep. And then, <laughs> so I went on eBay and I bought a bunch of old copies of all the old, old CDs just for the sake of have, having like that extra information of like who was on what instrument and everything else. But of course, eBay being eBay, it'll take a couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just well, have like a I general thing on the back of like, you know, Ed Robertson lead vocals, blah, 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 blah. So I didn't really say. So Jim was on Ooh. the double bass, of course, but he's playing yes. the double instead of the electric. Uh-huh. Kevin is all over this song, like usual. Um, he is playing keys, the glockenspiel, the sampler, the baritone guitar, and the Yamaha keyboard is the sound that we hear for the harp. So that harp sound that we hear throughout the song is actually mm-hmm. a, the Yamaha keyboard which they actually this is one of those sounds that they actually kept on all future versions of that keyboard hmm. um then we have add on acoustic and electric guitars steve's singing and that's it and then we have tyler on drums timpani castanets and tambourine it's really cool that they break that down because usually they just say percussion Percussion, general percussion. <laughs> We're not going to break down all the things that Tyler does. They're keeping the beat in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. <laughs> Written down underneath all of that is vocals by Sean Cullen and the ah, nail cap say. <laughs> David. Yeah, additional backup vocals. Sean Cullen, the male cast of Shave It. <laughs> I looked. I would. I would say I put a good five hours in this week into trying mm-hmm. to find if there is such a play as Shave It. Oh, God. Uh, I went um, on that must have been book. like a not, you had to have your safe search on for that or something. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, it's always on. <laughs> yeah, good. Real cast of Shave It. Wait, no, no, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Talk about going down a rabbit hole. You'd be... <laughs> Yeah, I, did, I went down a diverted. very long rabbit hole, not in that direction though. <laughs> um, and I found nothing. I looked up off Broadway, I looked up Broadway, I looked up Toronto's version of Broadway, which there's no official name for the Toronto version of Broadway that I could find, or off Broadway for Toronto's version. Did you look up juice pigs just generally? Corky yeah. juice pigs, yep, I huh. looked up everything and i could not find shaven i, I wonder if it's a joke that is what i think it is i don't know for shaven. sure but i almost sean cullen comma the male cast of shave it so i wonder <laughs> like that sounds like it's a one-man play <laughs> that would be hilarious and i actually sent out a thing to to sean cullen on twitter this week I never heard back from him about whether oh, or not this was well, one of those in jokes of BNL. Maybe I'll ask him at the next QA. That would be wonderful. That'd be yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I don't I don't know. Um Kat, I don't know if you know who Sean Cullen is. Oh, no, I know. 
Yep. <laughs> Good. Yep. Followed um, the band long enough to know who that is. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, I know I've been talking a lot about Quirky and the Juice Pigs the last couple of weeks. I I probably should go into a lot of a little bit of Sean Cullen because Sean Cullen actually has had quite the career after he left Corky and the Juice Pigs. Um, he's not just known for them. He has authored three ch- young children's books, so young adult books. Huh. He has several of his own TV series and radio series. He was on Last Comic Standing, got sixth place. He has two solo albums and a stand-up album. He has done so many voiceover parts. I'm not even going to go through all of them. And he also had his own podcast for 10 years. Holy cow. <laughs> he, like, the man doesn't the sleep, number of huh? things that he was on on Canadian TV are just amazing. But one of the things that he did was the Royal Canadian Air Farce. Oh, which I heard of that. We will come back to that in a few weeks because BNL actually wrote the the theme song for that my guess is that was there in was <laughs> was through sean um he also supplied going back to one going back to kevin he also supplied the voices of four five and seven on the show seven little monsters which <laughs> kevin wrote the theme song for he wrote and mounted his own one-man show called wood cheese and children which became a special on CTV as well. What um, is it called? It's called what? Wood, Cheese, and Children. That's what I thought you said. <laughs> yeah. And he won a Gemini Award. No, sorry, he didn't win. He is nominated for a Gemini Award for that. Oh, no. Ah! I just messed up my page. Um, <laughs> and in 1998, he did a sketch comedy show in England. He also played Max Bialystok in Canada, Canadian version of The Producers, which I love that show. <laughs> um, and he, he got a Dora Maver Award for that, or just the nomination again. Um, he was on, he was in the 2010 and 2011 season of the Stratford Festival playing Peter Pan, pay, playing Shmee and Peter Pan. Pseudolus and a funny thing happened on the way to the forum and Vinny in King of Thieves which love all those plays as well if that wasn't enough tying him back to BNL again on the BNL's 2004 US and Canadian holiday tour he joined the band on the road and did comedic versions of the nativity story and sang Christmas songs with the band members oh god I remember that. I saw that in Boston. (laughs) I knew that I had heard him somewhere. He was the opening act during that, during that. And I was like, oh, that's right. I forgot about that. So yeah. So Sean Cullen has been extremely busy since breaking up with Corky and the Juice Bigs. Wow. He's a workaholic. That's crazy. That's so much. That is such a long history. I mean, that's only twenty years, but that's still a huge that's amount of crammed. Work. Yeah, that's a lot of a lot of uh, skill and profession crammed into that twenty years. It's crazy. 
and I, I recommend people going online and I will that that's this week appearance. It's not going to be a BNL appearance. It's going to be a Sean Cullen appearance of him <laughs> on last man standing because it was actual. I mean, last comic standing because it was actually a really amazing. I've got a lot, a lot to watch then a lot to catch up on. <laughs> Are there any things that you guys want to talk about musically? Let's talk about the music of the song. I've been ranting for several minutes. I want to hear from you guys. I mean, it sounds, um, I think I saw one of the analysis uh, kind of reference that it sounds kind of like operatic and very mm. theatrical, which is very, um, I guess, yeah, programmatic, <laughs> as Aaron would say. Um, and so it really goes along well with that theme of, you know, sell, 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 and you're, you know, um, it matches the lyrics the music matches the lyrics really well. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a breakdown person, but I, 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 that's, you know, in a nutshell, how I kind of felt about the, the music um, without getting too far into the lyrics. I mean, it is just everything that Betsy said, very, um, it's multi-layered. There's, I mean, there's so many different parts to it and you can really hear, you can focus on a different part every single time you listen to it. Um, so it's always been very interesting. It, you're never listening to it the same way every single time you listen to it, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. It does. Mm -hmm. And there's so many instrumental parts to this song. And that's what BNL is so good at. That's why I love them so much. It's like you can't really over listen to it because you catch something new every time. And I think I, I think one of the reasons I really love this album is it is such a great collaboration between BNL and Don Was. Mm, yeah. I really would love He's to have a genius. Him. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to have him produce more of their albums. Mm -hmm. yeah maybe they could do a tribute to that uh walk the dinosaur song <laughs> <laughs> they could do their own spoof on it because that's what i think every every time well since i learned that he was in that band was not was and that's the really the only song i know from him then i just picture that video but he's also like i've seen pictures of him like being a really chill dude in the studio, just kind of kicked back, relaxing, uh, kind of scraggly, almost looks like, you know, like a Howard Stern hairdo and just very, very cool dude. Um, but yeah, I think he imparts a lot to the album to really help the guys, you know, kind of tweak what they have, so. I was gonna hold off on this appearance, but I'll throw it in here just in case. Go for it, Tracy. There was a, an interview that Ed did on the Rhino podcast about the Maroon 20th anniversary. And a piece of that that he was talking about was his experience with Don Was and what, what Don Was was like in <laughs> the studio as a producer. And he's like, he was so laid back, but when he wanted something, he had a way of making it happen. And he, he told this story about how one day he really wanted Jim to play this specific guitar. And so he brought the guitar into the studio and just kind of put it down behind Jim where Jim would be sitting. And he's like, 
Oh, I hope you don't mind that I'm leaving this here. I have to deliver it to my friend later on today. And, you know, I have to, I told him I'd bring it over to him. So I just wanted to kind of lay it down here. And so I, I hope that's okay with you. And of course, Jim being Jim, he's like, can, can I, can I touch it? Can I, can I, can I, can I please? <laughs> and so Don's like, yeah, yeah, go, go right ahead. And Jim, of course, then fell in love with playing it and, and then played it on that song. That was Don's whole purpose the whole time. <laughs> sneaky, sneaky. So. Yeah. Very um, clever guy. And I don't know if it was on this song, but I just thought that is a great way to describe Don was. Like, he is just so laid back, but he knows what he what is necessary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there are, there are so many things... I've been listening to this album for 20 years now and it wasn't until listening to it this week and my kids happened to be in the car and so I had to like they had their friends in the car so I was like I had to shift the music so that way I could hear it but they they weren't they could have their conversations in the back seat and I realized there's a difference to be between what's on which channels in this song you yeah. would think yeah. You would think that Steve and Ed would be even across the board, but it's actually not true. They're heavier on the right speaker considerably. And then on with only the drums, and I want to say the bass and Steve and Ed on the right speaker. And then on the left speaker, you still have Steven Ed, but they're they're much lower in the mix, and you have almost all of the instruments. Kind oh, of huh. And you have the background vocals over there. I never noticed that before. When you have cheap headphones in college, <laughs> when I was, <laughs> you would Fine, like, experience <laughs> yes when, and one like my left earbud or my left headphone would go and then the right would still be there i would hear different like every bare naked ladies album you know up to maroon and including maroon had that kind of they played around with that so much back then and i would have never had someone said by the way you realize that the the voices are coming out of one speaker more than the other i would have been like no they're easily coming out of both of them but no it is much heavier i'll have to experiment with that next time i'm in my car and see like if i can notice a difference the other thing that i noted and it was the first thing that came that comes to me almost every single time i hear it is i was like oh wait am i wait am i listening to the beatles because that beginning notes is very much like she's leaving home. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of Beatles songs that that do this, but she's leaving home off from off from. Uh, I'm not. I want to say Abbey Road, and it's not Sergeant Pepper's. Um, is is the most obvious. I'll throw a I'll throw a bit of yeah. she's leaving in she's leaving home in right here. Okay. Oh. Wednesday. And then I'll throw in a bit of the beginning of this song right here.
Yeah, yeah. That's, that's not shocking because Steve, well, I, I think Ed too, most of them I think are big Beatles fans, but I, I know that Steve in particular is a huge Beatles fan, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool, I like it. Do you think on this song they did it with like a synthesizer, like Kevin was doing like a synthesizer? They did. Ke- yeah. So the the harp. <laughs> Kevin didn't jump on the harp or anything. <laughs> no, no. Matter of fact, if anyone was going to jump on the harp, I'm. I would have guessed it would have probably been Jim, and then, yeah. or, or he would have well, brought Andy in. <laughs> Kevin's pretty, uh, you know, multi instrumentalist, but I don't think I've ever seen him on a harp. <laughs> no, no. Don't get him near a harp though, because then he'll be like, "Oh, I gotta learn that one." <laughs> I know he would. He would too. <laughs> I'm always afraid of introducing him to a new instrument. <laughs> right. Maybe a harpsichord. Oh, he's played plenty of those. Yeah. He's got a couple of them on this album, actually. Perfect. Well, it sounds like people really want to talk about the lyrics of this song. So why don't we slide over to lyrics and discuss what this song is about? I'm guessing, so I know that you talked to Steve this week. I'm guessing that this is what your your question to Steve was about. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I usually like to be the spoiler and, and make everyone guess and sound kind of silly and, and come up with their interesting theories. And then I, I wham them with the, with the answer. Kat and I get to play that part this week, I think. <laughs> Kat, do you want to start or should I start with this? See, I have played... No, like I don't even I think I have an idea but I I have no like it could go a variety of directions mm-hmm. and what's weird to me is that I hadn't listened to this song in a couple of years um, it's not on my B&L playlist that I have on Spotify that I usually listen to and so when I was listening to it today I was like wait a second this came out in 2000 and it feels very much like something that could have been included on everything for everyone could have been written a couple of years later. Um, mm-hmm. it, it very much looks into the future. I feel like, and so that really took me aback and I was like, wait a second. Um, so I, I, I'm interested to hear what you both have to say about that. <laughs> Well, I think you're, I, I absolutely agree, right? And I mean, before this point, obviously, George Bush, I think, had just come into office, uh, if I did my math right, in 1998. Um, so he had just come into office. But no, Bill, no, he came in is- in 2000, because as I bought this CD in September 2000, I was also watching those SNL skits about the strategery and the lockbox <laughs> and all of that about the Gore Bush. So this <laughs> is written before George Bush, before the even the primaries of that so election. George, yeah, I George Bush of- was president from January 20th, 2001 to January 20th, 2009. Okay, yes, thank you. Yeah, it was the 2000 election. So, yeah. yeah. But I think a lot of people forget about the Iraq war, the original Iraq war. Okay, wait, there's several original Iraq wars, let's be honest with America. Mm-hmm. Um, but the most recent one to this album is Bill Clinton's Iraq war. 
And I think we tend to like blame the Republican Party a lot on on the Iraq Iraq wars and remember George Bush's. We were already we'd already been at war with with Saddam Hussein a couple of times by that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean he was he was definitely well known by Americans at that point and and like yeah I I could see that. BNL, I think, is railing against Steve is railing against the American uh, forces and the American way of of going about things at this point. Um, I think they he does that with helicopters, but I think he's also doing it with this song. I mean, the line about Saddam and his mad cow disease um, <laughs> was a pretty blatant example, but I mean. Yeah, I mean, if you go back to this time, if you go back to 1998, I mean, 1999, one of the rumors that was going around was that Saddam Hussein had caused mad cow disease, that he was the one spreading it. Um, I think if you go and try to find where that rumor originated, you'll probably lead you back to the government. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that was one of the rumors that was going around and, and Steve used it right in the song. Um which Interesting is. enough, I just found an article this week on that when I was looking it up, that a special forces hero who actually led the mission to blow up Saddam Hussein's communication network died from mad cow disease. Ugh, those damn oh my prions. <laughs> now, that makes me wonder where the song was written in the chronolog- in the kind of timeline of everything that was written for Maroon, because it makes me think that this must have been one of the last songs written. I mean, it could have been. I they I mean, it could have been one of the early ones too, though. That they were like, you know what? We just had a huge success with stunt. Let's get political. Like, let's really kind of let's say what we are thinking. And I want to say the fur the Clinton Iraq War was in ninety three. Once again, I'm way probably way off. There's the ninety ninety one. One. Ninety ninety one. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, but I, I'm thinking about Mad Cow. He makes the reference to Mad Cow, and when would Mad Cow was late ninety eight or early ninety nine? I I think. Yeah, that it, sounds it was early right. ninety nine. And, and Clinton ordered an air attack on Iraq in December of 1998. Mm-hmm. So, because he was refusing to cooperate with the with the United Nations and the the uh, the weapons <laughs> inspectors. Mm-hmm. I do forget about that one. That, that yeah, I think it's easy to forget about it because it was much quieter but there were a lot of bombings of iraq in 1998 and i my guess is that's when when steve and company wrote this is mm-hmm. probably in relation to that um because i i'm gonna say that i think this song is talking about less about government more about hollywood or government using hollywood to hide behind wars and to to pull attention away from wars and to gain to kind of garner access and and to to subvert the populace 
I also had a guess on who it was that he was talking about, whether it was a specific person or not. Uh, if it is a specific person, and once again, I, I'll say this right up, right off the bat. Based on all of the specifics that he gives, I don't think he's talking about any one actor. I think just like King of Bedside Manor, it was kind of this conglomeration of many people and kind of the industry in general. But if I have to pull people that I think that he is talking about, and I'd be interested to hear your idea, Kat, on, on if you think it's anyone specific. I think it was either one, Peter Bergman, who played a lot of stuff on TV. He was on... Young and the Restless from 1989 and is still on Young and the Restless till today. Before that, he was on All My Children, 19, 1979 to 1989. So a staple of TV didn't really get movies. He had a few TV movies that were made, but no movies. Um, and... I would say, and he was also the one that on the commercials for, oh, uh, for Vicks VapoRub came up with, well, gave the iconic line of, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. Hmm. Which goes along with the whole point of what is kind of going on with, with this song where he, where he, the line about the line of medical, uh, oh, hold on. I have it pulled up on the other on the other line. Oh, uh, I think it's methodical and you don't need a medical. Mm-hmm. So that's my first guess. And my second guess would be David Keith. Um, he was the dad that was in the movie Firestarter. He was a supporting actor in a movie called Independence Day. Not the one that we know of, but the 1983 an Independence Day. That's my guess. Those are my two guesses. I, I don't know. I am pretty sure this is incorrect. My guess is incorrect. But when I listened to it one of the times today, I immediately thought of Ronald Reagan. Because he did commercials and he did at one point as well. Mm. Um, and how he, I mean, that's the perfect, if you're going to talk about Hollywood and you're going to talk about American politics. I mean, that's a, a given guess, but I think I'm incorrect there. All right, Betsy. <laughs> I'm to be the spoiler. Uh, so you both were kind of correct, but um, I actually found an, ep- an excerpt from the book, The Autobiography um, by Paul Myers. Um, so when I asked him about it in the Q&A, he basically almost, you know, paraphrased what was in here. So I'll read what's in here. Um, he also said that um, it's kind of a similar mix up of people like box set was. Mm. So, so for the uh, cell, 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 it says it's basically about an actor that Uh, an actor this time who finds out too late that he's a mouthpiece for government propaganda. It's kind of a story I just made up, but it's based on something I remember hearing during the Gulf War, that the two largest exports, U.S. exports, were arms and entertainment. 
So it's based on the theory that one fuels the other. The Cold War ended, but what happened to Stallone? <laughs> it, it's about an artist who is really good, but his talents get wasted. Eventually he becomes a huge star with his movies, but he doesn't realize that what he's doing is really fueling this other stuff. It also comes partially from me knowing that I'm part of this huge Time Warner AOL conglomerate, you know, I'm a tiny little thing, but what I'm doing is fueling the bottom line for this huge company. So that's, that's from the book. And he, he basically said something very similar on the Q&A that, <laughs> especially that part about the, um, uh, one feels the other with the U.S. exports for the arms and the entertainment. So he said it was no one in particular, but it was more uh, bits and pieces of just several, you know, just general movie stars that um, that he kind of mishmashed like all together. Of, I like that quote of the Cold War ended and what happened to Stallone. Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's it. true. Stallone did disappear for like three or four years there after yeah. the Cold War ended and then came back out with Demolition Day. <laughs> <laughs> I know when I was researching this, I was just like going down this rabbit hole of like, for some reason I thought it's Alex Trebek because he's the one that did the colonial pen. Uh, you don't need a medical commercial. So, you know, you, you don't need a medical exam for a colonial pen, that sort of thing. Oh. He he, and, um, oh God, I'm blanking on who it is. Uh, Ed McMahon did that commercial. Mm -hmm. But mostly it's Alex Trebek. So I went down like this Alex Trebek rabbit hole. He's and I'm like, you know, he's Canadian and he did a lot of commercials, um, but it didn't quite fit all the pieces. Um, so another line in the, and the song was about, um, not whose line is it anyway, but uh, what was the name of the show? Gilf, let's see. Oh no, my page just crashed on me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there was the original guy that did Jeopardy. I thought it might be him, I'm Art funny. Fleming. But eh, there's bits and pieces there. Um, so yeah, I found bits and pieces of people who are hosting game shows and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and of course there's, oh shoot, I forgot to put my background on today. Uh, there was um, always the running joke, uh, hold on, that it was, uh, let's see. Who's the guy on Independence Day, the scientist? Oh, wait. The, uh, was was it... Um, not, not... Jeff Goldblum? Yes. Yeah. There was like that rumor for the longest time that it was Jeff Goldblum. And his wife still thinks it is Jeff Goldblum, but it is not Jeff Goldblum. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it, I think it's a bunch of those people. I think it's a little bit of yeah. everyone. But yep. I think that goes to prove his point a little bit more in that, like, you know, a lot of these people kind of fit this mold of, like, mm -hmm. I, I don't think that it's the actors that are trying to sell the war and try to cover up and, and distract us from war. I think it's Hollywood. 
I think Hollywood definitely, you know, yeah. it, it, it's very similar to 1984. And then 1984 is very much along those lines of like, look this way while we're over here doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think Hollywood does do some of that. Um, and because of that, like, yeah, then the actors kind of get rolled into it because they want to work. They want to do their profession. And they get the opportunity and then find out that, oh, that wasn't really all that it was really about. Kind of similar to She-Hulk. If you've been watching that that show. Oh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? No, She-Hulk. Oh, She-Hulk. I thought you said S.H.I.E.L.D. (laughs) (laughs) Where where she gets this wonderful opportunity and finds out afterwards that it wasn't the opportunity that she thought it was. It was something completely different in order to that she's being used for this completely other reason for this new job i won't go into more research that i need to do (laughs) definitely recommend she hulk by the way go out watch it it's amazing show oh okay i think betsy's trying to change her background (laughs) i was going to but i don't know how to do it from here (laughs) (laughs) you got me Um, one of the other things that I that I found, and it wasn't through that book, Betsy. It was through the other book. Um, oh, hold on, I have it right here. <laughs> the um, chronology, yes, that one <laughs> um, is that. I think it kind of connects up to what Stephen was saying about the Time Warner AOL conglomerate and being part of this now and feeling kind of not like a sellout, but kind of like, what does this really mean for us now that we're part of this? is they then contributed this song to the gas CP, which is governments accountable to society and citizens equals democracy um, was what that stood for. And um, it was put together by Chris Brown, which people may know Chris Brown from the stunt tour. Mm-hmm. Um, up for door. Kevin. Yeah. Yep. Um, but it was to help raise awareness of the social and environmental impact of, of corporate globalization. The sad thing is they, they brought this CD together. Chris Brown did a great job, got it all ready, ready to promote it. And it was released on a very unfortunate date. No, no. It was released on 9-11. Boo. So, they had two I, things go because wasn't that also the original release date for the falling for the first time video? Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you're right. Oh, that's right. Yes, I remember that. And they're yeah. like, we can't play it on the radio because falling. Yeah. Like you're jumping from. Yeah. Yeah. Jumping. Very, very unfortunate. Yeah. Yes. Oh. George Bush yeah. had it out for them. He didn't like the song. <laughs> he didn't like helicopters. He's like. You know what? <laughs> it's all his fault. That's right. Um, I don't have any more notes about this song. Does anyone else? Don't think so. I'm, I'm looking through the chronology now because <laughs> I forgot to check that out. But no, I don't think so. The mystery's been solved. And maybe no. I'll put on my I'll put on my Jeff Goldblum background next time when I figure it out. But no. No. I it's the Jeff Goldblum background from uh, from Jurassic Park where he. No, no, 
<laughs> in the background. <laughs> uh, that's another movie I haven't watched. There's so many movies I haven't watched. I know it's blasphemous. I haven't. I don't know why. I just never it got around to it. It still holds up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I finally showed it to my kids and they were like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's, what's the age range for the kiddos on this one on the Jurassic Park then? <laughs> I don't know if six years old is too early, but. <laughs> um, oh, I do want to mention that there is another version of this. Um, there is the demo version. Did anyone mm-hmm. happen to listen to the demo version of this? I don't think so. No, I didn't get a chance to. Well, in that case, we had 24 hours. Jeez, cat. So you can hear the harmonies a lot more, but it's very bare bones. And there's no yeah. ad. It's not, it's not nearly. Yeah, it's not fleshed out as, as much. No. And the other thing is it has a very Spanish feel to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is different. The bongos kind of stick out yeah. a little more. And then I thought about uh, how Heidi was, I can't remember what episode it was, but she's like referenced the Big Bang Theory of like (laughs) like when Sheldon plays the bongos because uh, another scientist did. So now that's that's permanently stuck in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I kind of like it as a, like, I like it as a rarity to kind of listen to and go, oh, that's what this could have been. Thank God it's not. Um, <laughs> but in terms of in terms of like enjoying it, I it would have lowered my rating of this song immensely. And it wouldn't have made as much sense considering what it's about. If it if you're you know going all Hollywood and going really produced and polished mm. and um, theatrical, it doesn't make sense to have something that's kind of stripped yeah. down. And speaking of stripped down. I have not watched any of the Steve, Stephen Page live at home stuff, but what I know I, I have, have to. to, I'm like way behind, but to. remember I'm <laughs> Camp Ed. So <laughs> I'm one of those fans. So okay. I can appreciate that. I respect um, what's that. it like when he performs it live? Because I, I mean, it's gotta be somewhat stripped down. Yeah. But then sometimes he does, Usually it's like him and a guitar and uh, sometimes a backing vocal, but sometimes he's done like, <laughs> so he has himself performing and then there's like another window and another window and he has like the higher window is called Attic mm-hmm. Steve. <laughs> and um, then there's, <laughs> um, uh, you know, just like there's another Steve here, then there's Steve that's live. So he'll do layers like that. He also has the trio mm-hmm. on. So they'll zoom in and um, they'll be on. He's had his kids mm-hmm. on before um, and his kids are pretty talented. So he finds ways of kind of like, you know, making up for the fact that it's not like a studio produced, you know, type of sound. So 
And I'm always the one that likes the bloopers and the stuff that's kind of more raw and real and, and uh, you know, or vo- his voice cracks or something, you know, I, I like that sort of thing. So that's cool. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. You should. $8. <laughs> <laughs> Next one's in a month. Oh, he's going a whole month <laughs> without doing another one? Yeah. About, about that. It's, is uh, that just tour yeah. related? Yeah, or is that, to a is- month. Oh. Yeah, he's, he's at the New York State Fair this yeah. week. Yeah, I saw. And I haven't. I saw like the, the. There's a little article. I'm gonna look it up right now. Well, I'll double check. I want to know there, if um, did he release his new CD? Oh, I think that's September 30th. There is a pre-order. Oh. Hold on. It says here it is, folks. The cover for Excelsior release date September 30th, and pre-order information coming very soon. Designed by the one and only Christine Munn. <laughs> this is Stephen writing, by the way. Christine would never have said something like that. <laughs> this is on his Patreon. Um, so yeah, September 30th. Oh, wow. because I know he was he was playing yeah. around with the idea of releasing it when he did the New York State Fair. Um, so sounds like interesting come together yeah. in time for it but that will be if if i'm doing my math right that i'm betting that he's at he's putting that around the same time as his 100th episode though yeah i'm just going through his patreon now um oh so there's going to be a listening party september 25th uh that's on a sunday at 1 p.m and then Saturday, Saturday, September 24th at 5 p.m. is the next actual show show. Hmm. Steven, uh, come already. I'm plugging you here. Big time, buddy. <laughs> That's okay. It's going to take a week to get this one out. So it'll be a few weeks. Yeah, he's busy. <laughs> I understand. He was amazing to see in concert. So I'll, I'll forgive. Yeah. And then he's doing like public speaking on mental oh. health and everything else. So it's really quite a busy little beaver and i so. really hope that he <laughs> and stratford the stratford festival are able to work it out so that they're going to be able to release his play now now that like a lot of the restrictions have lifted next year you know because mm-hmm. i was i was actually in i was like okay we're gonna buy it and, and I, it was me and aaron and i think heidi was supposed to go we were like all supposed to kind of go and see it and now it all felt no no me and jeff and aaron we were supposed to take a big old bare naked abc's trip to go see the the show and that okay. uh, sounds like fun hopefully everything's getting back on track and that i hope so now. Well, speaking of back on track, I should get us back on track <laughs> and have us rate this song. Um, this, hmm, what should we rate this week? Um, How many gold blooms? Ooh, I, <laughs> I like it, but I want to go with an actor that like never really made it big. Because that was the thing. Like, that was that was kind of the thing of the song is that like the actor had been doing it for a long time and then never really quite made it there until the very end of the song. Is there like a male version of like the Susan Lucci? Like, cause she went for a long time with those soap operas, right? And she well, never. Well, Peter won Bergman one. would be that kind of 
Yeah. Peter Bergman. Yeah. So let's, okay. let's do that. How many Peter Bergmans do we give? I mean, he's had a long and, and industrious career. I mean, he's been on TV for what, 40 something years now? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So yeah, yeah let's, let's give him a little sunshine here and, and give him the spotlight for a minute. And how many Peter Bergmans do we give this song? I'm going to go with Betsy first. Oh, I just pulled up his picture. I know yep. who he is. Oh, he's <laughs> handsome. Um, so I think this is definitely on my playlist. So it's above a four. Um, and yeah, I mean, what we're talking about earlier, just the, the, the listenability of it is just, you know, it, it, it's always, um, you know, it doesn't get old. So I think I will rate it four and a half Peter Bergman's. Okay. Four and a half. I'm not sure what a half of Peter Bergman would be if you just split him down the middle or just torso up. Waist down. But either way, for now. Four and a half Peter Bergman's. I have to find your column. Hold on. <laughs> All right, Kat. How many Peter Bergman's do you give this song? I I appreciate the song. I appreciate how multi-layered it is. I appreciate the message of the song. I have to give it two and a half. It is not my favorite song from this album. Okay, tell us a little more about that because that that <laughs> shocks me. Um, just because of the way we've been talking about this, so I want to hear yeah. about, like what is it about the song that doesn't speak to you? I don't know. I think when I was thinking about. This was Maroon was a really important album to me. It was I came out my first week of college. Um, I had to take the bus from my dorm room at Ithaca College down to downtown Ithaca to buy it. It was like the first thing, first time I had left campus by myself. Um, it was like this was like a really momentous like thing for me, and so I just listened to this on repeat while doing macro and microeconomics homework all my first semester of college and this song I think just it I liked it at first but it got to be a lot because like it was so heavy like this was so heavy and hmm. then like for the like to be in college and ha like facing some of those college seeing friends face college issues for the first time and like I was lucky in that my freshman year was pretty like fine and I had fun and stuff like that. But like, really there's, there's such a happiness when you first get to college for some people. And I ended up having to skip this song a lot because it was just too much for me at that time. I'm like, I need to be like, I cannot think I, I can't go on to this anxious spiral. And so I think that carries with me to this day. It's an amazing song. It's a wonderful song. I think personally it just is something it harkens back to i don't know it, it's just so heavy and they just sometimes they just couldn't listen to it um <laughs> but i mean i understand how you could give it four and a half i understand how you could give it five it is i mean just from the instrument you know, the instruments used the, the layering the 
message. It's amazing. And Steve's performance is also amazing. Just not personally my favorite. Yeah. We've talked about this before too, where you can't, it's really hard to just like as a, a regular person to kind of judge a song in a vacuum because you listen to it, you know, for the first time during a certain segment of your life and like Tracy will laugh at me, but it's, I'm a staunch defender of silver ball because he hates silver ball because um, when I was listening to music videos with my daughter, she was probably like two or three at the time and we danced to it and it had, has a lot mm -hmm. of good memories. So, um, you know, it, 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 it isn't in a vacuum. You can work in the opposite direction too, that like just yeah. being at the, I mean, for me, this song, I think part of the reason that this song is going to rate as high as it does is kind of in the opposite direction from what you were saying, Catherine, that this song came out at a time in my life when I was becoming much more of who I am now, and I was having a political awakening. Um, in, in high school, I came from an area that was not very... Um, that was not very uh, recognizing uh, or accepting of, of the way that I viewed the world. And so when I hit college, I was around more like-minded people and that really encouraged me to kind of grow into myself and listening to this and, or listening to stunt and then listening to this and going, yes, someone else that I really love agrees with me on this stuff. Holy cow. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. So listening to it, and I listened to this song back to front and then front to back. Like I, I literally, I did. I listened in the opposite order as well as the forward order because I really love this album. Um, I'm glad that I didn't have it on tape because I would have like completely destroyed this tape. Um, so when I went on trips, this is this CD and stunt were the ones that I warped the most. So this song went right along with it. I like I said it it really the fact that Conventioneers comes right before this and is a slow slower song. And this song is kind of a slower song except for the drums. I don't mind it. Usually I don't like two slow songs on an album back to back, but I don't mind it on this album. I really love it. Um and I think part of that harkens back to that time of my life and, and really kind of it connecting in with that growth at that time. So I'm going to give this song a 4.7. Um, I mentioned our appearances earlier. Um, I'm looking for my page here. I mentioned the appearances earlier um, of Ed talking about Maroon. Um, there are some amazing stories on there, so I, I recommend people go out and listen to that, as well as going and watching um, the the uh, Sean Cullen um, on Last Comic Standing. Hilarious. Definitely recommend people going out and watching that as well. Um, now, didn't Kevin Hearn's father do a spoken word on Maroon? I swear he did. It was actually like, because Maroon is a poem. The album was named after a famous, um, I want to say poem. I thought it was a poem. Uh, of course, I can't remember it off the top of my head now. Let's Google it. <laughs> Maroon poem. 
<laughs> and here's where I put it in without even looking like I'm an idiot for not remembering yeah. it. It's on the inside of the liner notes of this album as well. They put the poem in the liner notes. It was something, it's the very like jazzy, like, I think it was like so, in the so, 50s or something. Yeah, it's got something. You found it. You did, you found it? I found it. Just where okay. I knew it was. Where what was? On the inside of the liner notes, front page. Uh, you oh. know, I never knew what liner notes were until I started listening to this broadcast. <laughs> It is by what Ken is Nordine. Oh. And let's see, now that I know the name, if I can pull up the audio that you're talking about. Actually a song. Oh. But it's basically a spoken word put to... So it wasn't, it wasn't Kevin's dad. It was Ken Nordine. Oh. Okay. Um, but I can see where you get that, because actually I think they sound kind of similar. Think of the times, the number of times that you can make rhymes with that friend, Maroon. There's the month of June, Maroon. There's a singer's croon, Maroon. As she sings a tune, Maroon. To an orange moon, Maroon. Like a... So yeah, I'll it's put it in. The 1960s. Um, that was something that they would play at the beginning of every single Maroon show. Um, and then they would kick in for the band coming on stage. Which is a really odd way to introduce us to that band. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the, you're playing it right now. I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't heard this in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> and they opened with Guster. So it was Guster. And then you have like a 20 minute delay. And then you start off with that. <laughs> and then you get DNL. <laughs> little palate cleanser. And that was the bongos era of Guster. And they still, mm -hmm. they didn't have traditional drums. <laughs> all this time, all this time, I've been working really hard. Not just to find the information for that song, but to figure out how I was going to loop it into what next week's song is. And I could not, I, I've been looking for it all of this episode. Like normally I find a spot where I can work it in. I could not find a way to work it in this week. Serendipity did not want to work with me. <laughs> I it guess it's something you'll never find. <laughs> <laughs> but that's next week's song that's what we'll be discussing next week yay Kevin's song so thank you guys for joining me would I you do. like to plug anything Kat I mean I guess like I should probably always plug that if you like sports you should probably um, read my work in the Boston Globe <laughs> oh nice but otherwise, if you don't like sports, then I like Ninja Warrior. Okay, good. Yeah. Yay! I haven't written about Ninja Warrior yeah. yet, but you maybe someday. To. Yeah. Immediately. I do write about gymnastics, and a lot right. of gymnasts end up on Ninja Warrior. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> true. Well, thank you for joining us, and thank you for having me. Thanks. That was fun. Don't forget. No regrets, 